Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 193, closing in on 200. I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, we've got a lot of news to go over this week. Some things, not gonna like it. Other things, we're really gonna like. Which is what we're gonna talk about in our discussion of what are certain, like, for lack of a better term, cliches or tropes or things that show up in movies a lot that... Doesn't matter if it's the first time we see them or the millionth time we see them. If they're done right, it's the thing that's going to suck us in every time. We're going to talk about the movie tropes that we'll almost always like. I put almost always because obviously if they do it badly, we're not going to care. But yeah. <laughs> put, put the caveat on. If they do it well, we almost always are fans of this. But uh, Josh... Hopefully it's less rainy on your end than it is on my end. So if this episode crashes, y'all know why. But uh, Josh, how you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm chilling, my dog. It's uh, it's bright and sunny. It's been bright and sunny all day, all week actually. It's been we're starting to get our first uh, kind of peak at fall le- weather, so we're chilling. And uh, how's everything? How's everything going over there? You alive? I'm alive. <laughs> I'm alive. I I haven't. Today's my first day off since Sunday. Uh, I'm like, I think we did like a hundred plus hours this week. So I'm tired, but I also today got a ingrown toenail that has been festering for like six months, like actually removed. Uh, cause I, you know, I have healthcare now through my company, the company I work for. So it's like, all right, I can take care of myself. Exciting. (laughs) That's exciting. What's it? It was, uh, it was pretty. Yeah, it's pretty cool. The, the the nail he took out turned out to be close to an inch long. So there's that. Uh, you know, take care of yourself, kids. <laughs> well, besides watching the bottom of your feet, are you watching anything else good? I mean, actually, honestly, I'd be impressed if I was watching the uh, the bottom of my feet. Um, I managed to squeeze in uh, episode four of Rings of Power. It has been my addiction. I, I I've rewatched the other three three episodes. Um, I love Rings of Power so much, and I'm very, I'm just I, I love the direction we're going. I love that like I'm finally in back into a show that like that's fantasy and like it it it, it it's less about quote unquote politics and like more about like good and evil and stuff. Like, I, and I, I saw I've seen the comments. I've seen them. I'd be like, it's hard oh, not yeah, to. But, but fantasies have also got the political intrigue. I mean, okay, yes, but is there really political intrigue when the the big bad is just, I don't know, decimating whole parts of the country? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. He's yeah. just okay. just evil in general. Like, yeah, exactly. Not much to saw on. Part 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 of the fun right now is um, outside of like the characters that we are watching being incredibly interesting and fun to watch, and the action is to me fun to watch um it's that it it's it's that happy medium between lord of the rings and and hobbit like it's it's the, yes it's a little floaty but <laughs> it's not uh, it's not the worst it's not uh, yeah it's not hopping on barrels yeah it doesn't go full hobbit um but yeah great times love it uh I'm, i'll be very uh, part of the fun though is um like being like, okay oh okay i know who you are I know who who's related to you a thousand years from now. Okay, okay. I know who you. That's fun. Like it's just it's cool. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, on the flip side, the only thing I watched was uh, American Underdog, that Kurt Warner movie with Zachary Levi. 
wow, okay. I don't think that movie works if it's not Zachary Levi. He is just so darn likable. Uh, also, him and Anna Paquin have phenomenal chemistry. They're really, really good together. Also, we've really come a long way in Christian movies. Like, this one is watchable, for sure, because they don't sugarcoat things. Um... Uh, I think it was super cool that the Warner family was very active with this movie from the get-go, and they're just like, yeah, we want you to tell the whole story, including the fact that Kurt Warner's wife had a previous marriage, and the kid, her, like, oldest child was dropped on his head when he was super, super young, and it's uncomfortable, but they're like, yeah, that's a part of our story, and we're, he's a miracle, and everything else in our life is unheard of, so I think he's big important part of like why Kurt got brought into that family because the kid immediately lashed on him uh it was good it's a cliched sports movie but Zachary Levi is just so insanely likable but also like it's terrifying how much he looks like a young Kurt Warner <laughs> yeah uh, but on the flip side I finally started playing the quarry uh I'm not that far into it yet it's just until dawn except not janky motion anime yeah. like facial animations like heather and i enjoy until dawn but there's times that she's just like yeah i'm not the biggest fan of this because like the the facial capture or the the motion it's, capture isn't yeah it's, it's very awkward it's times. yeah not quite there especially with like rami malik's naturally creepy face doesn't help when it's going like <laughs> just yeah. slightly off enough you're going mm -hmm. this this flows a lot more smoothly and it, it feels very much just like that old school slasher so i'm on board with it so far but uh we'll see i'm i'm very curious to see barbarian i'm hearing some wild things about that yeah. like no one's saying anything which i think is great but supposed to people are just like yeah, if you don't know anything about this, just just trust us and go out and see this. I'm going, okay, gentlemen, you had my curiosity. Now you have my attention type of thing. <laughs> like, what what is in this house? Are we going to have a don't breathe situation here? Yes. I don't know. <laughs> uh, all I know is it's not a prank hand. Um, <laughs> just a prank, bro. It's, it's not a prank hand. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. I, you and I were briefly talking about uh, Jack Septiguy before we came on. <laughs> and his his most recent videos where he replayed. Uh, uh, oh, geez. Until Dawn. We just he talking, has the same jokes. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> it's just a prank hand. Love when he's, he's watching like, stuff for the quarry and just like the L word. Lesbians? Lesbians? It's like Scott Pilgrim joke. Come on now. <laughs> Great Stupid stuff. Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> Great movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. <laughs> but we're not going to get down that road today. <laughs> the road that we will go down, though, is talking about the Keanuessance, which is now bled back into the world of superhero movies, supposedly, as, you know, 17 years after the original Constantine, we're now getting a new Constantine movie with Keanu Reeves reprising his role as John Constantine. And at least for me, the crowd goes mild. Like, don't get me wrong. This is one of those movies that, for some reason, I have seen way too much. And here's the reason yeah. why. <laughs> uh, I worked at a TV station for about a year-ish. Um, and for some reason... 
whenever they had like those made for TV movies, nine times out of 10, they're playing Constantine. And I have no idea why. So when I'm just sitting around the station, Constantine was almost always on in the background. So I've seen this movie way too much. Like Men in Black when I worked there. I've worked a lot of weird jobs. Um, Boy, this is... I'm conflicted because yeah. I like Keanu a lot. He's a cool dude. Do I like his Constantine movie? Not particularly. Do I think it's a good representation of the character? Not particularly. No. <laughs> um, that being said, revisiting this 17 years later when the world of comic book movies is drastically different could be interesting. Maybe he falls in a vat of holy water and it turns him blonde and gives him an accent i don't know uh, this is keanu he's there's no way he's gonna have an accent he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna bring back the british accent from dracula and it's gonna be good this time um <laughs> as someone that probably likes this movie a little bit more than me josh constantine is coming back yeah no i'm about where you are <laughs> uh i've seen i've seen uh constantine quite a few times um it is like i enjoy it it's a good time um a good 90s fun or early 2000s fun, 2005 I, yeah um it's fine it's a thing that happens um like you said though like i was really kind of hoping do we, we don't know if this is connected to the the current dc universe that's, at that's all. the question is it yeah. at all yeah, because like, because this has canceled the other dark properties that they were doing. They were doing a Constantine show yeah. and Adam Xanadu, and both of those are scrapped now. Correct. So it's kind of weird that this is what they're going with. Um, especially since I don't think there was any reference to the, in the original that the original was uh, connected to like some sort of DC universe at all. So yeah. uh, it'll be interesting. I was kind of hoping if we were going to go back to John Constantine that, um it would be a he'd be <laughs> he'd be the 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 drunk uncle of dr strange kind of thing going on uh for the dc universe and i, I just don't think that that's that's where they're gonna go with will i see this yeah I, i'm stop stop still gonna on the off chance that your boy edrigan <laughs> shows up exactly like dude if edrigan showed up voiced uh, by ron perlman i don't hate that I don't hate that at all, actually. Okay, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> you piqued my interest. <laughs> yeah, he's not doing a hell. He's not doing another Hellboy movie, but he'll do Edrigan. No, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's all the fans' fault that that didn't go well. Mm, no, you're thinking of you're thinking of no, the, I know. Uh, David yeah, Harbor David, one. David. So, yeah, how this fits in a larger DC universe is going to be a question mark for sure. If at all, this could be its own pocket universe. It'll be like multiverse. Everything is canon and nothing is canon. Um, like I said, the comic book landscape is different now than it was in 2005. So maybe there are more allusions to other things with the Justice League Dark. Have, I don't know, if we're going with an older John Constantine, I would think by proxy we would need an older Zatanna. Maybe Monica Bellucci as Zatanna just to hook up with Keanu Reeves. Um, I don't. I would like this to lead to a Justice League Dark, but I don't think it will. Just because anything Justice League Dark related, other than the animated movies, has been stuck in limbo forever yeah. now. Um, but yeah, I would like. I didn't get the sense that the original one really leaned into any form of comic material. It was very much just a generic angels and demons and mysticism yeah. type movie, as opposed to drawing on some source material. 
I would like them to do more of that this time around. They're bringing back almost everyone from the original in terms of the creative team. Like, it's the same director. They're bringing back Keanu. Bring back Shia LaBeouf, uh, dang yes. it. Do him, it. Like, make him, like, the actual, like, sidekick. That would be so much fun. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm trying <laughs> to remember. Was there the House of Mysteries? I don't think the House of Mysteries no, was there, the movie. But, Bring I, the House I, of Mysteries in. Tech air quotes massive air quotes that the house of, of, of mysteries i think i heard that one yeah like that i said loud. people <laughs> there's a lightning storm happening right now so uh yeah <laughs> but yeah regardless i you know what you know it's got keanu in it so I, I i there's no way i'm going to like hate it um i guess there was just a part of me that was really hoping that we were I, yeah i'm gonna say this yeah, I was really hoping we were getting away from like the the let's just do stuff to do stuff kind of vibe in DC. Um, but maybe we're wrong. Maybe this is the angle we want to go. Uh, who knows? So I know, well, with, especially with the Flash, everyone's just like, well, just bring in Grant Gustin. I know there's a lot of people with this that they're when they talk about Constantine, they're just like, well, just get the CW guy. I think it was Matt. No. Matt. Ryan, I'm looking it up right. Something Where like was that? It? Yeah. Oh, what was the guy's name? I'm blanking. I'm good though. Like I like yeah, him, Matt but Ryan. like I thought he was pretty good for a CW budget. Also, yeah. looks a lot more of the part and acts a lot more of the part. Yes. Um, but the, this, frankly, guys, the only reason this is getting made is because it's Keanu. If it wasn't mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves in the original Constantine, I don't think this is happening. This is just. An odd choice, for sure. Just given the state of DC, you know, everything right now, they're just like, well, you know, yeah. you know, that movie that was kind of popular 17 years ago. Let's just, just bring that back. Well, especially after canning Batgirl and, and kind of a lot of the other movies kind of being in question, like to just all of a sudden go like as much as I, I do enjoy Constantine to just kind of pull a movie from the early two thousands and go, it was kind of popular. Let's do it anyway. Uh, it feels weird. It feels very weird. So we can't say that this is really surprising, but I, it's a little disheartening nonetheless. And that is that the upcoming Patty Jenkins directed rogue squadron movie has now been pulled from the upcoming Disney release calendar, to which my brain immediately goes, that movie's definitely not happening anymore. Uh, I mean, it could still happen, but I'm just going to go with the assumption that this movie's canceled, because if it's not on the release schedule anymore, um, we had heard that they had some creative differences. This is disappointing because it sounded like a really interesting concept. They really hyped it up during that Investor's Day of just like Patty Jenkins on the tarmac talking about how her dad was a pilot. She grew up around pilots. She's super excited to do this story. But, and here's, I'm too lazy to pull out the tinfoil hat. The big the, old butt. The, that announcement came out before 1984, Wonder Woman 1984. And Lucasfilm has this horrible track record of big, sexy names for directors that would look good on paper directing a Star Wars movie, but are currently doing something else in the meantime. And then when that thing doesn't go well, they quietly dismiss that director. Yes. Um, 
Oh, Which is, don't believe me? Colin yeah. Trevorrow was supposed to do Star Wars Episode Nine: Duel of the Fates. And then this movie called Book of Henry came along. And they went, nah, we're good. Or Josh Trank did Fan Forstick right before he was announced to be directing the Boba Fett project, which ended up being a TV show instead. He got quietly fired. I... They aren't going to come out and publicly say this, but until we get some further proof and, like, actually start putting in development on this, I'm not confident anymore that Taika Waititi's Star Wars movie is happening anymore either after Love and Thunder. I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, eh, well, you had one bad day at the office, the rest of your movies are great, but you had this one movie. Goodbye, we're expecting perfection. Because Lucasfilm has this really weird track record lately of until you're actually sitting down into theater to watch it, it is not promised that you're actually going to see the Star Wars project that's been announced. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> oh. even then, like he's just halfway through watching something in theaters and they're just like, oh, sorry, we ran out of film. Um, <laughs> Pulled the rest by. of it's on Disney Plus. You got to pay 30 bucks for it. I just, yeah, I I was kind of excited for it because di didn't they pitch this originally like a like a Top Gun, but in the Star Wars movie? So Too bad Top Gun was, Maverick already did it. Yeah, but like also this that would be so much fun. I just uh, I would love that a lot, and I, it's it is kind of sad to to hear that it's or non non-officially canceled uh under the table canceled um indefinitely delayed yeah but i think this does speak to the larger issue of lucasfilm slash kathleen kennedy just kind of uh taking one bad day at the office and being like all right cool bye no more uh you know it, it's a good thing she was she's uh not, it's really unfortunate actually that she's not in charge of Bob Chapek because, you know, one day, bad day to the office and he would have been gone. Yeah, well, I don't think she would have put him in charge anyway. She would have fired him after two weeks because she got yep. indecisive about something. And who knows? <laughs> Bro, all we know is it could be on the other side. If Patty Jenkins was asking for too much creative control, because honestly, I don't know where she's currently at either. Because right before Wonder Woman 1984, they're like, we're going to do a TV show about the mascara. I'm going to be on board for Wonder Woman 3. We've heard nothing about either of those. As far as we know, the only upcoming anything Wonder Woman is supposedly some appearance in Shazam Fury of the Gods. But that makes sense because, you know, the gods and she is one by proxy. Um, for Who knows? Maybe it's a mutual thing of Patty Jenkins couldn't come to terms with whatever Lucasfilm wanted. Maybe Lucasfilm just got some feet on some stuff. But... Again, this is just a continued mess in the mess that is Lucasfilm. Basically, since day one, the yeah. only movie that's gone off without a hitch, I feel like, is The Force Awakens. And then everything else has had some form of issue. Rogue One had all those massive reshoots. Um, and Solo exists, Last Jedi, and all the issues that that had. <laughs> uh, then Rise of Skywalker. Um, okay. like, yeah, I mean, Solo's not... Solo's not, it's not bad, bad, but you it's... can't deny firing your director with two weeks left to go and filming and supposedly yeah, the a... cast and crew applauded them getting fired like that sketch. Yeah. Super sketch. <laughs> I, so I think there's a third vein to this, though. There is an entire like entirely you know relevant possibility that 
with the release and success of uh, Top Gun Maverick and it being this close to the possibility of Rogue Squadron, Disney looked at Rogue Squadron and was like, you know what? Someone kind of beat us to the punch in a way. If if Top Gun Maverick hadn't been ha- hadn't had done as well as it had, I think maybe this might still be within the realm of possibility as far as happening. But with, since they were pitching Rogue Squadron as like Star Wars version of Top Top Gun, I can see them being like, all right, you know, Top Gun came back and kind of made a really big splash. It would look kind of weird, and the movie would have a lot kind of going against it if we tried to do do this anyway despite maverick yeah i'm glad you brought up the maverick thing because it's the top grossing movie of 20 um 2022 i forgot what year we're in temporarily <laughs> you would think someone would want to capitalize on the success of that be like all right here's another dogfight movie to which someone actually is there is i don't know if you've seen those trailers for the movie coming out called devotion which stars glenn powell as you know another wingman and another unnamed war i'm just going what in the world? This is a little on the nose here, guys. But I would think <laughs> if you're Lucasfilm, you'd want to capitalize on this. You'd be like, oh, flying movies are back in style. Let's bring this back. But again, it's just really weird decisions on Lucasfilm's part to the point of just like nothing's really guaranteed anymore. And it's yeah. it's annoying more than anything. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and like, I guess in some capacity, nothing ever is quote unquote guaranteed. But like, like we talked we've talked a lot in past weeks about how like warner brothers doesn't seem to have their craft together at all whereas what else is new i mean yes but like it's weird how we don't have the same same criticism for for lucasfilm when it comes oh, no, to this. i do I, or uh, sorry let me uh, as vocal as mm. you know like oh man well, what are they doing over there like but that's always like warner brothers but i guess maybe that's just like the current hog that we're all poking next up we're switching over to some marvel news and it's surprising but at the same time not and that is that avengers the kang dynasty now has its writer and it's the guy that's writing you know kang's big introduction to the mcu the writer of Ant-Man and the wasp quantumania jeff loveness which first of all jeff loveness that is one of the greatest names of all time. <laughs> and I'm just going to leave it there because I'm just going to leave it there. We're going to take that high road. Um, this is not surprising in the slightest. Your movie called The Kang Dynasty is going to be written by the guy that has Kang as the main villain in a Marvel movie. Cool. I know some people will be like, well, he was first introduced in Loki, but I'm like, yes. For one ridiculously long monologue scene, but in terms of like actually seeing him in action, the first time will be Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And even then, that's he who remains, and that's a very different version of Kang than what we'll see going forward. This makes a lot of sense to me of start laying the groundwork in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania and then move on to bigger and better things. Marvel has done this a lot in the past. Look at, um, I believe the writer's names were Marcus and McFeely, uh, the guys that wrote... Uh, Winter Soldier and Civil War before they ended up writing Infinity War and Endgame. Like, those guys wrote with the Russo brothers who directed those movies before moving on to bigger and better things. This makes a lot of sense to me that this <laughs> guy did this. But also, if I remember correctly, he's like a TV writer and Marvel yeah. love... He is a TV writer because you know what he's written for? Rick and Morty! 
to ah, which okay, yeah, everyone's just going, greatest Marvel movie of all time incoming right now. And people are <laughs> making jokes about it. But I firmly believe that this is why Kevin Feige did this. Rick and Morty deals a lot with multiverse shenanigans. They do. And for the most part, logically make it make sense, which is a hard concept to do. So if you have a dude that can write multiverse well already, you keep him on board and give him the big task ahead that is the next Avengers movie. Uh, Josh, Kang Dynasty with the greatest name of all time, Jeff Loveness. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like like he said, it makes sense because like he's he wrote Ant-Man the Wasp Quantum Mania. It's like, isn't it the same director coming back? For for Kang Dynasty as well. No, remember it's um Kang Dynasty is Dustin Daniel Cretton from Shang-Chi. Ah, yes, 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 of course. So Shang-Chi is gonna punch so hard it's gonna break Kang in the multiverse <laughs> and recast Iron Fist. I'm I'm just I am very, very interested to see because like I I I really did it was a little bit overblown, but I love that monologue scene in Loki. I am very, very curious, having seen Jonathan Majors on um, Lovecraft Country, uh, what this man is going to be capable of, because he's also doing, what, Creed 3, and he's... Yep, and he's going to ruin Michael B. Jordan's day. Like, I, he's going to ruin his, like, year. You've seen those set pictures, right? Yeah, that man is... <laughs> Oh boy, uh, that is a big jacked boy. I he like I just I'm very very curious as to who the conqueror will be, uh, it, like what he will look like, what he will do. Because yes, like I, I think it's very important to distinguish the difference between like he who remains in Loki and the the Kang that we're that it is gonna the force that is Kang that will be coming to Quantum Medium and and Kang Dynasty. So we'll. It, to me, it makes sense, uh, especially with the Rick and Morty tie-in. Um, I don't know how much you watch, but like they they do a very very good job of balancing um, multiverse without doing time travel, which is like very key because they're, they're like ah oh, they they make a a point to do that. Which, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in Endgame, don't they reference Rick and Morty when talking yeah, about? either time travel or the multiverse or whatever else. So I'm just like, see y'all Kevin Feige just laying the groundwork even back then with an obscure Rick and Morty reference. He's just, he's that big brained. He just knew. Uh, yeah. Okay. Here's the, <laughs> I don't want to go there, but it, it's kind of my, it's been my thought process for a little bit of, I shouldn't feel this way, but Kang dynasty to me kind of feels like the age of Ultron of like, Cool. I hope it isn't. Oh my god. Let me finish. Of it, it feels like the Age of Ultron in that of like, yeah, cool. Move you, Secret Wars. Like, <laughs> like okay. the Simpsons meme with the with the sheep, just like move you, Secret Wars. Like everyone's kind of more just like, cool, King Dynasty, but Secret Wars, Secret Wars. Like, yeah, it's it's all leading up to that. Infinity War had to happen for Endgame. I get that. And that some people think Infinity War is better than Endgame. Those people are what I call wrong, but everyone's entitled to their opinion. <laughs> Kang Dynasty, I'm sure will be great. Endgame I'm... isn't as good without Endgame, though, so there's that. What? Endgame is... No, wait, hold on. 
switch that. Yeah, you know, I got this. Endgame isn't Guys. as good without Endgame. Endgame is, I mean, well, technically. Oh, I mean, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm right. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I want to get excited for um, Kang Dynasty. I think it'd be cool. I really, really like what Destin Daniel Cretton did with Shang-Chi. So it should be exciting. But at the same time, like, even when we took sidetracks with Age of Ultron, we could tell the final roadmap for Infinity War and Endgame. It was all leading to this one big battle with the stones and everything else, whereas we're going to keep harping on it. I have no idea what the direction for Marvel is right now, and I don't know if Marvel does. They're, they're saying it publicly, of like, oh yeah, y'all can't pick up on the roadmap? Um, not when you shredded the no. roadmap a few miles back and then tossed it off to the side of the road and you're just kind of freeballing it from here. Like, I, I don't... I don't think they actually know where they're going. They're just saying it. Like, yeah, they're just like, well, in the comics, you've got a whole bunch of different disconnected storylines that all come together at the end of them. Like, uh, movies are not comics, though. We've said this before. I don't know. Like, I think this guy could yeah. be good, but at the same time, I I want to be excited for Kang Dynasty. It's just hard right now because. Marvel right now is the definition of a team that squeaks by into the playoffs when they don't deserve it. Whereas in years past, they were the World Series favorite type. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially after phase four. Because it's just, it's a thing that's happened. Um, there's been good moments and bad moments. I mean, as much as I was not a big fan of some of the really clunkiness of uh, Multiverse of Madness, seeing a actual horror version of, of Scarlet Witch was fantastic. And I'll never forget that. Um, I don't know, man. It's, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think once, uh, once we kick it off with um, Wakanda forever and like kind of do this Ant-Man in the Wasp quantum mania, I, I think we'll have a better idea of where we're going. I, I say, I think in the most hopeful way possible. <laughs> so, Next up for news is, let's be honest, it's just the most Sony thing in the world right now. And that is that Sony's developing a new Karate Kid movie. The, the first theatrically released Karate Kid movie since 2010's Jaden Smith Karate Kid movie, which Josh and I still defend is not nearly as bad as y'all make it out to be. But here's the thing, though. It's not connected to Cobra Kai or the people making Cobra Kai whatsoever it's its own separate thing to which i'm not just saying this as a cobra kai fan but i'm saying this person as a cobra kai fan this is going to blow up in sony's face big time i think sony is banking on this whole oh man people probably really miss karate kid nowadays because that's a nostalgic property what if we bring that back people are probably clamoring for it and going in order to miss something it has to be away from us but we've had consistent karate kid content for the past five to six years it would be different if cobra kai was either one only like a season or two or two just out and out bad but by and large it gets pretty well received reviews from critics and audiences alike and it's been going strong for five seasons with a sixth one more than likely on the way i don't get this decision at all especially if this is going to somehow be connected to the original karate kid because yeah that's, if any mm -hmm. of the characters are in this whatsoever like 
Daniel or Johnny, obviously can't use Miyagi, it more or less immediately makes Cobra Kai not canon, which I'm going, um, yeah, you'd have a lot of fans pissed off at you about that. There's already enough fans that are pissed about the Jaden version, which is not, again, as bad as you make it out to be. Uh, so either you do that, you do a completely separate thing, which you could do. But again, in typical Sony fashion, the easiest answer is right in front of their face. They're just ignoring it. What you do is you do your sixth season of Cobra Kai next year, whenever else. And then you do a Cobra Kai movie in 2024 with the same people involved. It's not that hard. You have already a huge fan base built in, either with your Karate Kid fan base or with your newer generation with your Cobra Kai fan base. Just have a meet in the middle. Just be like, here, guys. New Karate Kid movie. If you liked Cobra Kai, it's just a continuation of that. If you never saw Cobra Kai, but you liked the original Karate Kid, this is what they've been up to. We'll meet you halfway that you don't have to watch the show. It's just an easy answer. I, I don't understand Sony's yeah. decision here. But then again, that's Sony in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting too because like the, the story of the original Karate Kid has not necessarily aged well. People have grown up and rewatched it and been like, you know, Daniel's kind of a jerk and kind of almost deserves every beating he gets. That's crazy. Uh, and that's just not so what you gonna do something completely new but do the same story like that doesn't like do Sony do you think we're morons uh, like spe especially since especially since we memed you into re-releasing a terrible movie like get out of here like don't pretend that you're small smarter than us so I say uh oh because there's something that uh, I've known for a little bit when it because his name was attached on couple seasons of Cobra Kai. I don't think it was on season five, though. A certain name, just here's my theory, a certain name might be involved with this decision. The man that actually owns Karate Kid, Will Smith. No way. The, the Will Smith and his family own the rights to the Karate Kid. That's how they were able to make the Jane Smith one. But for the first at least four seasons of Cobra Kai, Will Smith is listed as executive producer even though he had nothing to do with the show the family as far as i know they still own the rights to karate kid and all the people making cobra guy had to go through the smith family and more or less get everything approved and whatnot to like make the show happen so is this will smith and company i'm not saying they're bringing back Jaden, but maybe wanting to revisit this and go all right cobra kai get your time in the sun you get one more season Good luck with your Sekai Teke tournament that you're probably going to do in season six. Um, we're doing our own thing again because Will really needs the help right now. Like, I don't want to go there, but uh, I, as far as I know, Will Smith is still attached to this franchise in some capacity. So is this is this a move on his part? Is this a move on that's, Sony's part? Yeah, it's also just weird so that this kind of gets announced out of nowhere less than two weeks after season five of Cobra Kai comes out. So I'm just like, well, that kind of takes the wind out of this season's sales, which, as far as I know, is still doing well. And they haven't even officially announced the season six yet. I know some people are rolling with, well, in season six, this could happen, this could happen. Slow your roll, people. Season six, they would like to do season six. It has not been greenlit. 
Trust us when we say, just because we would like a new season to happen for a show, doesn't mean it will actually happen. Looking at you, NBC, and go on. I still have not forgiven you for that. And everyone's going, what the heck is go on? I'm still bitter about that. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, dude. That's news to me that he owns the franchise. Uh -huh. uh, but, like, if Jaden had still been around in, in the acting scene, I honestly would have loved to see a sequel to that, to that one. I, I'd love to see what that, that all that's up to. But, um, yeah, I guess we'll find out when more stuff comes out. Well, Karate Kid is not the weirdest news of the day, as we're going to talk about today. As The Strangers, you know, that one slasher movie from what was it 2008 2009 the strangers is getting not only a new movie but a trilogy of new movies in a reboot series for the strangers um okay odd but i understand this because you can make the strangers for very very cheap or you can make for cheap just in general but the strangers more often than not, takes place in one location, including the strangers themselves, typically has a cast of, like, six or seven. Like, the strangers movies do not have high kill counts, or a lot of people in them. I, but yet have enough of a recognizable IP, I think that you can make some money out of this. I don't know if these are going to be theatrical, or if they're going to be streaming. Not sure. I can look yeah. that up later. But, I think, I don't know. I think this is an odd choice. That being said, we just saw Orphan Force Kill, a franchise that we thought we didn't need more of, and they brought it back and did even nuttier stuff this time around. So maybe you can do that with The Strangers. Clearly, if it's a reboot, we're going to have new, new strangers in general. I don't want this to be a full origin story though of like this is what the three of them look like without their mask before this is why they're crazy now because they were left home alone and now yeah. they're always asking for tabitha like i don't need to know the ins and out of the strangers that being said i'll watch all of these because that first strangers Ray at night was a movie that exists but that it was first fine. one what, 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 oh, hold on it's great that's a good it's time not bad but it's also not great okay fine but the strangers, the yes, first one, the strangers, fantastic. I, and like, and I think while saying, you know, hey, you can make this movie for very cheap. It is, you know, it is in one location. It has maybe a cast of six to seven, um, depending on the size of the family. Uh, it, that can feel like a negative, but to me, the strangers is easily one of the best slasher films of the last two decades it is fantastic it's creepy it's unsettling um i love that it there's a lot of jump scares that aren't they don't do the like jump scare noise for you they're just people in the background that you suddenly notice which is fantastic oh that um, scene where the dude is just standing in the background when Liv tyler's in the living room oh i get still gets me um and i know it's coming every single time which is hilarious uh but i would I I love to see them do a a three films reboot series. I'm okay with that. I agree. I don't want origin. Um, I want it more as a like a serial killer family or a group of people 
that are terrorizing a town and the, it's the three film the three films are you know like the towns react kind of like a lot like what they're doing with the uh modern um halloween films i'm okay with that and i feel like the strangers would fit well into that va- that vein and uh you can make it easily creepy and there's a lot less of the supernatural vibe to it and hopefully no evil dies tonight <laughs> They don't say evil doesn't near as much as people make it out to be, but yeah, it, it is overplayed. What I think could be an interesting concept is each three of these movies is focusing on one of the three members. So hmm. maybe you don't get all three of them in the same movie. Again, this could be a stupid idea, but three separate movies, three separate stories of like maybe the baghead dad is off in this place and of uh, the quote unquote the daughter characters over in this place. It's three standalone movies they can play back to back to back a la the Fear Street trilogy, something like that. Like interconnected, but not necessarily. Uh I think the only difficulty of that would just be might get a little repetitive. And I think it's scary when they're together. So maybe not maybe scrap this idea just kind of spitballing, but Yeah. The Strangers as a concept, I think really, really works. It's just or stereotypical home invasion but it's done so effectively that it's creepy i like that there's not a lot of music in that first one like it just lets it marinate it just lets the the creaking and the ambient noise be what actually scares you so okay i i'm down for sure. more of these it's not a franchise that it's like high on my pretty list of oh yeah i want more of this that being said i won't complain we'll get more yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I've always wanted more of this series, but that's, I mean, pray it. I, it's, you're right. It's fine. It it was a nice second installation. Um, but I would really love to see like an overarching story with, with it. A terrorizing A family. What if, oh, okay, spitballing. Since we're spitballing here, what if they go after a family? So let's say we stay with the strangers, right? And this is actually turning into Halloween now that I'm thinking about it. Don't um, care, do it. Yeah. So uh, let's say like it's the strangers, right? And they go after a family, and something happens in the first film to make the family be able to get away from them. And so the next two films are the strangers chasing them across this the country, which would be. And in the third one, they bring back Liv Tyler, who is still yes! technically alive at the yes! end of the first Strangers movie. Yes, she just scares the crap out of a Mormon. Yes, she does. <laughs> it would be fun, though. I, I, I can see a lot of like fun horror stuff happen happening in these three, three films. As per usual, this week's episode is sponsored by T Public, your one-stop shop for all things Uncharted Media merch. Whether it is T-shirts, hoodies, stickers, magnets, whatever you want with the Uncharted Media logo on it, that's your one-stop shop for it. And as always, help us get to seven hundred subscribers. We're getting real, real close. Help us get to 700 subscribers so we can talk about Darth Jar Jar before the end of the year. And, you know, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Once again, I'm going to keep saying it. Now. <laughs> it's a, it's really funny to hear you like say all that and like knowing that you desperately do not want to talk about I'm coming Darth around Jar-Jar. to it. I'm coming around to it, but my issue more is you just know I can't just half- effort anything no, and I'll be, i will go deep down the rabbit hole like the it's always sunny gif so yes yes i won't like it but we'll talk about things that we do like 
Movie yeah. tropes that we will always like slash love if they're done properly. That's that's the big caveat here. Of anything could be great if it's done properly, but there's certain like story elements or quote unquote cliches. If they show up in a movie, it'll be like that touches me in the right place. That's a special <laughs> feeling here. I I like when movies do this. So I I cap my list at ten, just on the nose. Josh, how many you got? Yeah, I got captured at ten as well. I think it just works better just to get a good even number. Yeah. Yeah, so I kind of, they are kind of split within sections, but even then, not so much. I've got, like, some that are specific character archetypes, um, specific moments that happen within movies, but also, lastly, just stuff that movies do frequently mm -hmm. that I enjoy. Um, how do we want to proceed with this, Josh? Just go back and forth like we always do, my dude. Okay. One of my favorites. Uh, I got this. I'll start. I'll start it. I'll start it. It's okay. not like we've been doing 192 of these. <laughs> we, we know what we're doing. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's start with one of mine. I particularly, and I, I probably need to have a conversation with myself about this. Um, the whole like human enemies. animal hybrid characters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. No. Uh, man, we almost went one episode without talking about how Josh is a furry. <laughs> um, All goes back to Star Fox. Yes. Anyway, should not have made that noise with Star Fox um, in this context. <laughs> All right. So anyway, we're going to talk about ah, one of slippy. my favorite uh, rom-coms, which is like the whole enemies to lovers kind of kind of really? thing. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. I, I like I said, it's some, maybe something I need to talk to myself about. But like, I love it when people hate each other and then realize that like, oh, actually, we really care about each other. That's crazy. Okay. Well, <laughs> since we're making stuff up as we go along, Josh, we'll also do as we're saying these. Give some examples of movies that do the specific oh, thing that we're talking about. Oh jeez! Oh no! So like, I'm I assuming you're talking about. I'm assuming you're talking about the proposal. You know what? Yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. Here, here. When you're editing the the episode, just strike all of this right and make it sound like we're super smart. Um, yeah. So, uh, enemies to lovers, like in the proposal. Yes. That. Yeah. 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 That's exactly it. Although that is a fantastic. That's a great movie. Uh, Betty Sandra White Bullock is fantastic. The whole, all of the bits with with Betty White are fantastic. Um, you know, the, before Ryan was allowed to be as weird as he always is, uh, on screen, um, he was still kind of like trying to do that rom-com thing. The Van and, Wilder thing. Yeah. It's, which is fine. You know, do your, do you know, stretch your legs, do, do you, do your thing. But the en enemies to lovers thing is just, I don't know what about it it is, but it hits me where I live and I just love it. So my, one of my first like character types could fit in rom-coms, but more often than not, they're just kind of in every movie. I love a good sarcastic sidekick slash best friend type. Like, I don't yes. need... Not specifically, like, the black best friend or the gay best friend. Like, those, I think, get a little cliche. But I'm talking, like, Riley, a national treasure, or <laughs> the sidekick in Sahara that I wish I could remember his name. But, like, the guy that gets, like, maybe one... If they're lucky, two special moments per movie, and that's about it. The guy that just <laughs> frankly does not want to be there. I I will never get sick of that character. More often than not, 
they're the ones that get all the good lines. I forget who it was, but there's some actor that I remember seeing in an interview that was like perennial, perennially the sidekick <laughs> character. And he's always just like, yeah, I love playing that because the good guy, they're just the way that they are was a sidekick and you can have more room to have fun with it. Like sidekicks more often than not are more memorable and have more quotable lines than the main hero itself. Let's be honest. Robin is not the best character in Men in Tights. It's clearly Blinken. Blinken has the most fun in that movie. It's always the case. I love the smart Alex sidekick. They're just my favorite. So long as they don't, I, yeah. So long as they don't tiptoe into cliche territory. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm with you on that. I love a good good sarcastic swarmy. I wonder uh, why. Sidekick. Yeah. It, it, it's like I am. I am the 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 sarcastic we both sidekick. Are the yeah. Sarcastic <laughs> sidekick. We are each other's sidekick. All right. Uh, but that that means that there's that. Oh, okay. No, that makes Heather the hero. Yeah. That she's makes always, sense. She's, that yeah, makes that, sense. That, that tracks. That tracks. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll lean into one of my um, favorite character descriptions. Um, I love myself a good dumb muscle. Uh, like a la, I wonder like, why. Like, yeah. Uh, like like Drax in um, in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Like he's uh, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Thank you. Um, <laughs> he's clearly just there because he's he is the muscle. He's the barbarian of the group. If we're going with D and D rules, um, he, there's not much intelligence just there for. And the funny thing muscle. is, he's a barbarian, played by a guy named Dave. I hate you, Dave oh the Barbarian. Gosh. For all, oh of my god, someone bring that show back. Uh, <laughs> and I the love greatest Dave intro the ever. It's so crazy, like that. That show had like it does not have a long runtime. It got canceled super quick. But like, I have a vivid memory of getting like an inflatable sword from like Burger King with that with that fr from that show that had like the face on the hilt and everything. I was like, this is I, what I don't whatever. Anyway, dumb muscle. Uh <laughs> oh man, just the big strong guys who are super dumb, but like that's part of the charm at the same time it's, this coming I, from the man that used to be a professional wrestler i don't know what you're talking about he doesn't remember <laughs> it anymore anyway i don't remember a, a single thing for the past 20 years <laughs> that's why he remembers is, dave the barbarian <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh uncomfortably uh close to the truth <laughs> that, yeah so I don't know what if it'll got. be on Josh's list, but I'm sure he's in the same agreement with me on this one. Of, I'm always a sucker for the underdog athlete character yeah. or underdog athlete movie. Like, even a half-baked, not-that-quite-good Rocky movie, I will still enjoy and cheer just because it's... Hall Rocky movies are the hallmark movies for dudes of, like... They're cliche and predictable, and they have to have a happy ending at the end, even if someone dies in half the movies. But <laughs> someone does die in like half the Rocky movies. Yeah, it's wow. a motivator, dog. Yeah, it's Boy, a storytelling trope. We've talked about this in our uh, best fight movies. Uh, Rocky never back down. Here comes the boom, which is still very uh, underrated. South Southpaw. Southpaw, Warrior. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's okay. So, like, I just love a good underdog fight movie. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's a little unfair to be like, 
Oh, yeah, well, their only motivator was the death of a loved one. Like, oh, what's wrong with that? They didn't decide to change their life until somebody died. Well, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's like not like that doesn't Rocky happen. Rocky 3, Rocky 4, yeah. <laughs> Rocky Balboa. And that certainly doesn't happen in real life ever. So, <laughs> no, yeah. I'm with you, though. I love a good underdog athlete. That's a lot of fun. I, I think I, I can, it I so can much kind fight. of. It could also be. Hoosiers, I'm I'm assuming I've never seen yeah. Hoosiers. Uh, I feel like a less and less of our generation has seen Hoosiers unless you're actually from Indiana. Or like and that Hoosiers, Rudy, or um, remember the Titans. Dude, okay. So if you guys have not seen Hoosiers, you need to. Seriously. Um, fantastic film. Um the uh hold on, brain is catching up. All right, cool. You're here. Um, I to ta- kind of pile in on this in the vein of a you know underdog kind of athlete. I love me a good reluctant hero, someone who's like you know you can tell is kind of capable, but really just like that's not what I that's not what I wanted to do today. I wanted to go to the store, get an ice cream cone and a book and sit in this chair and chill. But no, now I have to save the universe. Ugh, ugh hate doing that. It's just, I love a good reluctant hero. Uh, you know, I'm really learning a lot about myself when we do these podcasts because that's definitely a like, mm. oh man, I don't want to go to work at all. <laughs> and I go anyway. See, I also have reluctant hero that, finally accepts the the call but it's in a different sense than you you're kind of coming at it from the sense of oh i don't want to get out of bed today or just do the work i'm coming at it from the perspective of i love a character like uh aragorn son of arathorn yeah the yeah, people yeah, yeah, yeah that are yeah. the most qualified to do the job are the ones that want to do it the least because they feel the most unworthy like an aragorn like a dick grayson becoming batman uh some of my examples will be non-movie related. You'll, it'll make yeah, sense sure. later. Um, mm-hmm. But I should have liked Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. I should have because he's that type I, of character yeah. of like doesn't want the throne, probably deserves the throne. But then again, there's a lot of characters that by the end of it, I should have liked for Game of Thrones, but didn't. Um, I just really like that stereotype of the the character that everyone wants in a specific position is the one person that thinks that they're not worthy of it. And then once they realize that calling, that's such a powerful woman going, yes, you finally get it. Like, I love seeing the screenshots of the first time we meet Aragorn when he's just hiding with his hood up, just sitting at a bar versus the last time we see Aragorn. He's like bright, colorful crown, like nice, clean clothes. He's now the king of all of Middle Earth. And you're just like, that that is a story arc and i love those type of story arcs of not rags to riches but more or less of like destiny is a powerful thing if you use it correctly in storytelling yeah no i'm with you which is ah dude uh you you said destiny and i just keep thinking of the the god of war story trailer oh my goodness (laughs) let's go i just that's that trailer got me so hyped i've watched it like three times today and i'm just like uh, now it's twenty five percent more actually calling him Atreus. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Be exciting. Um, I so I'm gonna get. I want to knock out some stuff that just kind of happens in movies, um, because 
gosh, there's some stuff that just happens that's just great. Uh, I love a good old-fashioned Wild West-style showdown where it's like the pan, and then like across the other to the other side of the street, and they're like, there's got like a tumbleweed going across. Even if like if it's not in like the West or anything, I love a good Wild West showdown. Uh, I think they're absolutely ridiculous but incredibly serious at the same time. Uh, which is just ah, it's so fantastic. Uh, anything from like, uh, uh, oh geez, um, fistful of dollars to, like, I think like Dragon Ball, uh, Back Dragon to the Ball, whatever. Three. Yeah, like everybody does a Wild West showdown, and they're just. I think nowadays, at least, they're played off for laughs because it is kind of like a trope that's like, there's no way people don't do this in real life. But I just, gosh, I love them. It's just a great time. It's another one of these, if done correctly, this is like the only yes. one I know said, if done correctly, I'm a sucker for a good ticking clock moment in movies. <laughs> it was like from the eyes to the clock, from it's the eyes so much, to like, the clock. It's like cut the red wire. It's just like either get out of the building before the bomb explodes or do this thing before this time runs out. If done correctly, great. But there's a lot of times it's just like, yeah, but like Mission Impossible almost always has a ticking clock. Those are always great if you do it correctly. Uh, get out of the house before you and everyone else blows up. It's an easy way to build suspense. You just do it right. Um, yeah, Mission Impossible is always my go to just because it always feels like there's a countdown on that. 24. Yeah. I'm assuming they had a countdown. I never watched 24, but I'm assuming they oh, had a dude. countdown. Probably. Oh, you know, you've never seen 24, dog. I've got you. Okay, so every season is uh, 24 episodes because every season is one day in the life of Jack Bauer. And every episode is an hour slash 45 minutes <laughs> with commercials. So what's the um, episode where he gets stuck in traffic? Uh, so th th that's actually one of the really interesting things that people always comment on the show is like, so when does he go to the bathroom if this is literally every single hour of his day and uh, we never see him go to the bathroom. So it's, it's, one of the, it's, you know, anyway, I don't know why I know so much about 24, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> oh, geez. So, so you brought up like a ticking bomb and we talked about 24 which are both good examples of when heroes wa walk away from explosions and there's just nothing <laughs> cooler than when somebody causes an explosion and it's just walking away and like this cool, like, so yeah, I you know that. what's going through my brain right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool guys don't look, look at explosions. explosions. <laughs> and my man, JJ Abrams on the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, yeah, but I love a good, like, like person walking away from an explosion. You mean like like X-Men Origins just, Wolverine. I just like explosions, honestly, if we're really being <laughs> like, if we're being real here. Because like those are always like the most pretty of the explosions. Uh is when they're like they're walking away from it, so they make it super bright to to just expose the, the silhouettes and all that. But yeah, it's just yeah, I, I love a good hero walking. Cool guy, don't look at explosions. My favorite walking away from an explosion in a movie has to be Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg in The Other Guys. When they go to investigate like the laundromat or something that's a drug front, they go and it blows up and they're both go, I can't hear. What? I can't hear you. 
<laughs> you know how in movies they walk away from explosions? I don't think that was realistic. You know how they blew up the Death Star and no one flinched? I don't think that was realistic. You shut your mouth. Oh, the Star Wars is factually accurate. <laughs> that is a great like point, though. Like, like those. No one has hearing loss. No one has. No one has hearing. Well, okay, that Hawkeye. it wouldn't be hearing because there's no sound in space. Like that. That's not how space works. But uh, but then again, we're talking about fictional space, so I won't <laughs> I won't dab, I won't dab too dabble too much into that. Um, <laughs> uh i think okay can i just tell you like one of my favorite horror movie tropes that is like it's Always. a joke at this point but like at the same time like anytime you see a movie and they're about to have sex everybody in the in, in the room goes ah, they're about to die all right <laughs> where is he where's the murderer <laughs> it's not even like uh, it's not like in the, like the late 90s or early 2000s when you know you were a teenager like all right a sex scene in a movie. This is cool. Oh man, the bad guy ruined it. No, now it's now like, it's just right. like, all right, where is he? How, How are we gonna kill him? <laughs> they make fun of it in Cabin in the Woods. It's just yes. like, all right, now it's the time for the for the red or Jason X when the, when the girl when they were in the, the the infamous hologram room. She's like, hey, Jason, we're gonna go have unprotected sex oh, what are you gonna do about it like oh dude that's and against so the great. trees they just ow ow ow, ow. <laughs> it was so great fantastic so, it's I, I just love that horror movies do that josh brings up um walking away from explosions i can segue that perfectly into my going out in a blaze of glory slash the noble final stand nice. i whenever a character that's almost always like the the strong but silent type goes, no, I hold them off. Go. Whether it's what's-his-face from The Mummy or my favorite heck-yeah moment. And Josh will know exactly where I'm going with this. Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe when Peter looks like he's about to die and the centaur and the rhino just look at each other and just charge into battle. And yes. the centaur breaks out the two big swords, just starts mowing basically Dude. everyone down. And he puts a two swords in the Minotaur's back, pulls out this big, huge sword. You're like, he gonna do it? He gonna do it? And then he gets impaled by the Wicked Witch, and he gets frozen. But he's he survives. He's okay. So it's it's the thought that counts. But either going out a blaze of glory or a noble last stand, because more often than not, they're kind of linked together. Like yeah. Bruce Willis at the end of Armageddon, we won, Gracie, and he blows up the meteor while he's still there. Like that's cool. I'm I'm a sucker for a big noble sacrifice at the end, so long as it actually means something, you know, not like Superman and Batman versus Superman where he just kind of dies via stupidity. Again, why was Wonder Woman not the one holding the kryptonite spear? Because, you know, she's the weapons person, but deaths that actually mean something? Oh, I love when people die. It gives me satisfaction. <laughs> what what movie did we watch? Oh, oh, the, the Stranger the Stranger Things for season four finale. You and I were both like, not enough people die. God. And like we were like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I wanted everybody to die. The, like, like, it was oh. so sad when um, Metallica dude died. We're just like, yeah, but we saw that coming a mile away. Yeah. I love me some Steve, and that's why Steve needs to die. I want to ball my eyes out in sadness, but no, Steve had to go and survive another season. How dare you? I love Stranger him Things so writers. much. I want him dead. 
<laughs> How dare you, Stranger Things writers? I wanted you to to take my heart and rip it out of my chest and make me eat it. How dare you not do that to me? <laughs> I that a good final last stand. Just mm, it has to be. It has yeah. to mean something. It can't just be you know Leonidas going, "Hey, the arrows did block out the sun." Oh well. Uh trying to think what, what i'm trying to think of but another big i like, agree too i think the big the thing that comes that comes with that trope specifically that does kind of bother me sometimes is when the sacrifice legit doesn't end up being a sacrifice like oh somebody saves the day right at the last second or you know like ah no one last stand we got this uh it, it, it's it is one of my favorite but also like questionable things like such like in in the uh the in like Helm's Deep, when they're like, "Oh man, this is our last stand," and like, yes, they do kind of like go, "All right, guys, you know, when the sun comes up on the third day, blah blah blah, I will, I will be there." You know, look to the east. It, that that's like they at least set it up so that it's not out of nowhere. Uh, but like, if if Gandalf had just randomly shown up with a bunch of uh, a bunch of riders, and then I was like, "All right, guys, we got this." After Aragon and Theron was like. We got this, dude. No, we will die protecting the, the women and children. Like, this is our last stand. Absolutely. Go out like kings. Um, and then kind of pulls, pulls that rug out from under them a little bit. That that always bothers me quite a bit. So it's funny you bring up uh, Gandalf because something else that always just rustles my jimmies when it comes to movies. Uh, <laughs> trope that I love. The big, cliche, overly sappy inspirational speech i love a good movie speech <laughs> whether it is the president from independence day giving the most murica 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 speech ever or you know josh's wake up alarm every morning with the rocky balboa speech <laughs> or idris elba in pacific rim today they're canceling the apocalypse i don't care if it is a even halfway decent um inspirational speech and it's spoken at slightly higher than a normal speaking voice i'll be locked in going yeah yeah let's do some stuff let's run through this wall man for no apparent reason kool-aid man style Let, let's do this inspirational speeches in movies just just get me going and then the inspiration wears off about five minutes later and i just get back to my dull life <laughs> Jeez, dude, uh, your life's not dull. You get to hang out with me once a week. <laughs> That's true. Or, Keep Josh sane. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm I'm sane. Uh, anyway, let's just say before Josh met me, he had hair. That's close to truth. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was starting to lose it back in college. Anyway, but you just like, embraced uh, it though. I just I've embraced it since then because uh, I, I don't have a choice. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, let's go with a, a couple more um, horror, horror tropes. Um, I love a good visual that is the uh, someone in white covered in blood. It's just really? cool. I just there's something so, so cool about it. Um, I'm actually looking forward to the moment whenever uh, in Rings of Power, when Galadriel's wearing her very light blue dress and she's been murdering orcs and is just covered. And I just there's something about that. That's very, very cool. And I just love it when it, when when movies do that. Um, I don't know why, but I love a good he's right behind me, isn't he? Kind of really? joke. 
But yes, I don't know why. There's something about it. Like I either laugh or I'm like, oh no, or like it's it's one of those tropes that's very hard to do badly because it's all about it doesn't work unless you have like some sort of comedic timing or horror timing like to i just god it's just so much fun um i'm trying to think of a, of a movie example of, of for it that's not like comedy but like to yeah to, to me it's like oh he's, he's he's right behind me isn't he oh that's great that's a, anytime it's not played off for the embarrassment of a character i think because sometimes yeah. they're used as like when you talk crap about somebody else in the in the movie, and maybe you're Harry Styles trying to talk crap about Chris Pines or something. Uh, <laughs> That's a spits in the face of all logic. I know, man. It's uh, oh, it's <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of like when you say that I'm I look like Col- uh, I'm the spitting image of Col- Colt Cabana. Anyway, um, no, I said you are the love <laughs> child of Colt Cabana and MJF. Okay. This Personality wise, too. I hate that. That's the truth. <laughs> <hate that>. um, <laughs> but yeah, like, I just like, he's, I love the, he's right, but it's right behind me, isn't it? Oh, that's, you know, I, I like that a lot. I don't know why. So, uh, I, I'm saying that for a lot of these, but just like, I just, there's something about that gets me going. So, sticking with the horror train. One of my favorite character types in any movie, even in the worst movie, if you somewhat deliver on this character type, I don't care. I'll buy in. And that is the final girl trope. I don't yeah. know what it is. You can have the worst horror movie in the world. If your final girl slash your main protagonist is even remotely interesting, or even, I'll be honest, if they even have like two or three funny lines, I'll just, I'll be on board with it. And I will root for them to survive. I don't need the final girl to survive every time, but I'm going to root for them if they're even slightly interesting. Yeah. I even like it when they switch up who the final girl is. That you're like so confident it's going to be somebody, and then they switch it up and it's somebody else. Um, this comes from me loving Halloween and loving Laurie Strode and um, Rachel from four, and then Jamie from four, five, and a third of six. Um, or hopefully Allison really comes into her own and Halloween ends. Don't know. Um, Tommy Jarvis, you know, that's final dude, I guess. In <laughs> the 13th part six. And it's the final extent, bro. There's not a lot of kills in this, but I would make the case that John Cusack is the final person in 1408. That's a different, I mean, not really a slasher though, but it's. It, yeah. Cause like, he's the, also the, the only final person. person, whoever the final he's the person only is. person in 1408, uh, technically. Uh, yeah, but I'm with you. Like, I think, um, a happy death day. The first one, she's yeah, gotta treat. be one of my stupid name, but great character. Favorite final girls. Fantastic. Super smart. Constantly trying to figure things out. Um, I, and that's the thing I think like, a, a stereotypical final girl who's just the final girl because like the killer's obsessed with her and that's it uh to me is very 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 boring but having imagine that having an interesting character being interesting Aaron oh, Gillen. man that's Aaron crazy Gillen and oculus oh oh yes good old katie siegel and hush dude you just got you just got all these uh got all these names dog dude i i like i said final girls are my thing i love a good smart protagonist yeah absolutely I got three more how many more you got uh technically two okay because then I'll do i one. uh yeah i love it and this is more of a trend in more recent movies because you know they just keep rehashing movies and just no. remaking rebooting and recycling <laughs> movies 
but I'd love it when movies save like the iconic pieces of music for just the right moments. Case in point, I lose my mind every time in Creed 2 when they purposely withhold the Rocky theme for most of the first and second Creed until Creed knocks down Drago for the first time. And he does the, what's your name? Creed comes back, bops Drago, knocks him off his feet. Bum, 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 Cause then the music actually mm-hmm. means something or as much as we don't like last Jedi, when Kylo turns on Snoke and him and Ray go back to back and the force theme is more powerful than it's ever been. And you're just going, mm-hmm. yes. Or, um, I- when Top Gun Maverick uses the original Top Gun music and the theme for that it chooses its spots incredibly well like when he's talking to Iceman that's really good use of the music there when they're celebrating on the bridge at the end that's excellent use of music I just like when they bring back classic themes but pick the spots and use it yeah wisely using the Spider-Man theme when he gets crushed by the rubble put that in the jar because I'm referencing that scene but (laughs) in that moment it makes sense because he's he's becoming Spider-Man there it it just works I I'm very musically driven when it comes to movies. I, I, yeah, man. I just I, I, the example that comes to my mind is when they play the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers theme when they all become Zor uh, in their little uh, I thought Zords. You're, and... I thought you were gonna say when when they use First Flight and How to Train Your Dragon when <laughs> when Powell uses that for the first time. Okay, yeah, but that is an incredible. <laughs> that's incredible. You can't deny that that's a great, a great piece of music. Uh, it gets me going every single time. Uh, all right, so you got two more. Yeah, baby, let's go. I uh, I love a good red herring. Like like uh, but for example, like a pup named not... Scooby Doo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, which uh... I didn't get that joke <laughs> as a kid. It's great. <laughs> I uh, but like like in um, Knives Out, the first one, chalked full of red herrings that make absolute sense of why you would think certain things are going in certain directions and then using using those red herrings against you oh it's one of the things i think i loved the most about uh, knives out was that it was constantly like feeding you all this information and you had no choice but to interpret it in a very specific way and then they were like all right cool at the very end go all right let's uh show you a different perspective of all that information we just gave you uh and then you're like oh it was all a red herring that's crazy dog oh that's i i just i love that i love a good red herring they're like we know you've probably figured it out by now but have you it's a twist on a twist (laughs) <laughs> it's 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 uh the exact opposite of uh christopher nolan and uh in the in the the um oh geez dark knight rises when everyone was like oh he's that that's just talia right he's like no no it's not but but the actress playing her joey king blatantly yeah. said in interviews because she didn't know any better because she was nine she said <laughs> oh yeah i'm playing talia and everyone's just going Oh, well, who didn't talk to the Joe, young actress? <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That's Robin, right? No, it's not. He's that's not John Robin. Blake. <laughs> Even though he, yeah, okay, whatever yeah. you say, Nolan. Speaking of comic book movies, I think some people might expect this to be the last one I talk about, but I'll I'll talk about it here to segue perfectly. I one of my favorite things in comic book movies of all time is when characters start off with a homemade suit that they make by themselves, and then earn their comic book accurate suit by the end of the movie 
Aquaman when he comes out of the waterfall. Oh! Or, honestly, look at Iron Man. The first Iron Man is great when he comes out of the, the cave and he's got the big clunky suit and then he upgrades yeah. to, honestly, still probably my favorite Iron Man suit of all the movies was that Mark was it Mark II? Because the Mark I was the two. cave. Mark, Mark, II. Mark II, yeah. I love the Mark II. Um, MCU really excels at this concept. The first Captain America, he's got that goofy stage costume, and then he gets a better costume down the road. Winter Soldier suit is still the best. Um, the only MCU one that I think of that their first costume was better than what we get later is Thor. I yes. I like the helmet and the and the full chainmail armor, and then kind of step down from there. But Spider-Man, oh, wow, his suit's actually earned, or Batman. Which is, okay, let's talk about that real quick, because if we had said that at the beginning of this year, you would have been like, I, why, why does he doesn't, why doesn't he earn his cool suits? He just gets them. It's not fair. And now it's like, oh, yes, the big arc. But even then, like (laughs) Batman, as much as Josh doesn't like the later Nolan movies, he starts off with a jank suit that just looks like he's he a robber. And Battenson is still kind of in that stage of making it. It's not polished yet. The only one that I was just like, you didn't really earn this. It's still a cool suit, but I wish there's more story behind this was Henry Cavill's Superman. There's no yes. there's no reason story wise why he wears this. And people will be like, well, it's because he discovered this suit that his father gave him like. But he didn't have anything beforehand to differentiate himself. Like, that's the reason why the soldiers are shooting at him, because there's no distinct difference between him and the other Kryptonians. Like, he doesn't, there's no narrative reason why he's wearing the Superman suit. Now, even Superman and Lois figured that out of he's got his fantastic suit that his mom makes him, and then he gets a suit later on. I just love making the way that the characters look means something like there's actual story purpose and symbolism to what the characters are wearing because more often than not in comic books yeah comic book book characters look the way they look because it sells if it looks cooler but on the flip side make it more like have it be symbolic for other things and i think that's i just love when that happens again aquaman i think is still the best example of that of literally yeah going from dark grungy colors and literally old armor to the yeah. armor of a king. I'm like, hey, it's perfect. It's perfect. So good. Oh my goodness. Um my last one is kind of cheating. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Shocker. Uh yeah, I know, right? I it's not like I do this all the time. It, it just because you know it's it's uh, sorry I'm trying to make some uh, anyway. Um the my favorite trope that I think I that gets me reels me in every single time is technically not a trope because it's trope subversion. Trope subversion is my favorite thing that movies do, but taking already known tropes and kind of flipping them on their heads and making us the audience think that they know what's going on and then all of a sudden it's it's not it's i love being surprised in the movies like but in the good in a good way not in the 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 uh, multiverse of madness way um i love being surprised in films um and trope subversion is like the easiest way when i say easy like trope subversion is easy um the, the easiest way to kind of really get to get to to me with that like having like I'll, 
you know what yeah like a lot like um let's say like uh like lori and traditionally like a a a final girl would be one of the main people that you know michael stocks from the very beginning and that's not really the case like and she's smart and up until that point final girls just kind of lucked into a lot of stuff so it's I love a good trope subversion. Um, I love a and maybe that kind of echoes a lot of my my enemies to lovers kind of sentiment of like I love something that can that is on its own pretty cool, uh, but then in tandem with something else and made something interesting narratively that is so much cooler. So my last one, um. Josh will be on the same page as this. I think of yeah. both movies and wrestling logic for this, and that is the hero that almost turns to the dark side. Yes. A la, a la Luke Skywalker and Return of the Jedi, or what Ray should have done, or, you know, at some point, or Harry in um, Half-Blood Prince when he almost murders Draco and we almost have a double turn. I love when a hero is presented with the ultimate choice and the words Dumbledore between what is right and what is easy, and they still choose to do what's right. One of my all-time favorite wrestling matches, follow me here, people. One of my all-time favorite wrestling matches is NXT R Evolution from, I believe, 2014, when it was Sami Zayn versus Adrian Neville for the NXT Championship. Mm. It's either Sami wins the NXT Championship or... He's kicked out of NXT forever because he's had chance after chance after chance, and he just can't get it done. He's like Peyton Manning. He just cannot win when it matters most unless he's carried by somebody else. Um, And so the great thing of this match is neither of them are out and out bad guys in this match, but Sammy's got a little extra intensity. Well, in one point in the match, the ref goes down because it's a wrestling match. Shenanigans. A ref will go down by a whistle. Oh, like a puff of air because refs are puny, apparently. <laughs> and the title is right next to Sammy. And you can, the, everyone does their jobs brilliantly of, does Sammy use the title? Does he cheat to finally win? Does he take the shortcut? Does he throw away all the months of hard work that he's built in this story leading up to it? Does he take the short route to finally get to where he is, but he changes who he is as a person or does he throw it away and keep going on the path that he does? Eventually, he throws away the title. One, two, he kicks out because he almost got distracted and got pinned. But then he finally wins without having to cheat. I love when a character gets so close to breaking who they are. It, I think it would be cooler if... I know some people have talked about Zack Snyder's Superman. of He'll be mind-controlled by Darkseid, whatever else. I think it'd be in- more interesting if he gets this close to being controlled by Darkseid and then at the very last minute doesn't. Like, mm-hmm. flips that switch of just, That's like... That's way more interesting. It's that constant struggle because being good in the world is not an easy thing. And so, it's that te- it's that constant temptation that everybody will deal with whether- in a variety of different aspects. Again, my favorite moment in all of Star Wars is the half light, half dark in Return of the Jedi when Luke's hiding because it perfectly reflects his character of this is what he's been building towards. Does he disown everything he's about to basically to save his father? Does he destroy his father? I I just love inner turmoil in characters and do you (laughs) 
you stick with what is right or do you stick with what is easy? Yeah, with, that's a fantastic match. Isn't that the the aftermath of that match is when Kevin turns on Sammy, isn't yep. it? Kevin debuted oh. earlier that night and powerbombed yes. him under the apron. Oh, what a what a fantastic. That was such a good show that night. Oh, my goodness. That Rest in peace, NXT. Oh, no, it's coming back, man. Okay, yeah. Okay, no, cool. did you see last week? They, okay, yeah, last yeah, week, okay. Shawn Michaels did a video package that's just like, we've come a long way with NXT. And they dissolved away NXT 2.0, and it went back to the golden orange, to the golden white. And I'm going, thank God. Oh, okay. Oh, so yeah, Vince is really gone. I'm going. Yeah. And everyone else is going. What on earth are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, the two matches I watch most often are the NXT R Revolution match with Sammy and Neville, and the NXT Takeover match between Sammy and Nakamura, a debuting Nakamura. Mm, yes. It hurts your jaw just watching it because they're beating the ever living daylights so out of each other. Well, that one's that one's really good. Uh, the one-off with uh, AJ and Finn. Um, at, oh, I think it was like SummerSlam or something like no, that. No, it was like a one-off because like everybody got sick. Like Bray got sick. Roman yeah, got sick. it was it was a weird day. Um, but hey, if you oh, want to know yeah. our best, our favorite WWE matches, that's a whole separate episode. We could. We really could. No, we have done that episode before. We have. Oh, yes. Okay, cool. Wow. Josh had a Got lot of NXT women's matches. I see. Okay, I do have some like legitimate favorites though, because there are some really, really good matches, and some people and not, that almost turned the to the ones... dark side but didn't. <laughs> I hate you. Okay, just just wrap us up. Wrap us up. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> well, what do you guys think? What are some of your all-time favorite things that, if they happen in a movie, you're absolutely more likely to get on board with the movie? Let us know in the comments below. Ways like him from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. Help us get to 700 subscribers before the end of the year. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.